coming up on Man Enough. In groups, I can be big. It just happens naturally, and I like to entertain people. But the second I leave that group, I'm like into this really intense depression. It was one of the first times I understood the private battle that so many famous comedians have had, like Robin Williams. Watching you over the last eight years, like go into that so that that doesn't happen to you has been such a gift. I grew up, I had Tourette's syndrome really bad. When I saw Jim Carrey do these movies and like Ace Venture and all these stuff, so instead of like ticking, like I would be like, no, like I would just find a way to like do something funny. And I latched onto that and that became kind of my identity for a long time was I'm the funny guy. So this is how I can, you know, cope. <laughs> Being man enough, what does that mean? It's really manly to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil, so maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me a benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better. Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system. This is Man Enough. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Wait a minute, actually. Oh. I've been doing that for the last little bit, but I forgot <laughs> that Justin's back. No, please, please do. I forgot. I thought it was a bit. I thought it was a bit. I forgot how to do it. Why don't you open up for us? See if you remember it. I'm, I'm a little nervous to do that, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Do you honest. remember Let's how it goes? Hey, everybody. <laughs> Good job. Good job. <laughs> I'm Justin Baldoni. No, we do our names at the end now, right? Just, just we go. do our names a lot. I really think you should start. <laughs> All right. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mad Enough. That sounds uh, great. I'm Jamie Heath. I'm Liz Plank. Can I go last now? I'm Justin Baldoni. <laughs> oh God, please uh. go last. Oh my goodness, this is good. <laughs> I actually think that Liz should go first, personally. <laughs> wow, we definitely haven't had you for a while. We're it's doing, a whole different We're thing. doing age before beauty today. Okay. Wow. So glad you're back. I'm so happy to be back. It has been very different without you here. It's been wonderful. Mm. Liz is my favorite You guys person. have been doing incredible. You've been Thank killing you. it. I've been supporting and championing. And I mean, we feel like you've been there the whole time, right? Like even when Justin wasn't here, I felt we, we felt that you were here. Yeah. Your your spirit Jamie. was. Really. Like that was, you mean all the times I was trying to call Jamie during the middle of the that podcast? Too. Yeah, yeah, that. He's like, dude, I'm doing the podcast. Your that podcast. You're not yeah. here. <laughs> but what are we doing today? So these last batch of episodes of the season are really important to me. So everybody who's coming on the show are people that I admire and are very close to me personally in my life. And something we've been trying to make happen for a long time has been to get this particular amazing, beautiful, hilarious, deep, soulful man on the show who was one of my dearest friends over the course of the five years that I was on Jane the Virgin, even though there was a couple years he wasn't there. And that is my brother, Brett Dyer. Hey, I'm crying. I'm <laughs> See, hey, that's, what's why, up? that's why, that's why oh, I brought thanks. this. See? Perfect. I'll just. We should be sponsored by Kleenex, by the way. Yeah. Should we have <clears> them? It makes no sense that you are, you're not. You make people cry a lot. I In cry a good a lot. way. You yeah. cry a lot. All right. Yeah. Hey, dude. Hey, Justin. Hey, man. Hey, everyone. Hi, Brett. Can we just call each other uh, Raphael and Michael for the rest of the day? Oh, great. I feel like. I feel like we're past that. Are we? I can't. I mean, can't I'm not it. past it. I'm, you know, I'm looking I, ne right next to you. On guys. any given day, the amount of people that come up to you and say Michael is like probably insane, right? Well, yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. You get it too. I do a little bit. <laughs> I can't wait for people to call me Brett. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why we're here today. Yeah, that's why we're here. We're um, gonna call you Brett the whole time. Thank Liz, you so much. Uh, 
Liz is going to awkwardly, but she does it really well, read your bio in front okay. of you. I'm okay. just yeah. preparing you. Yeah. Now. All right. Yeah. Ready? Okay. What should I do? You can stand there and, and look stand. like. You want me to stand? You can do whatever you want. Okay. This is your moment to shine. All right. Um, Brett, you're an actor, you're a writer, you're an artist from London, Ontario. That's true. And someone told me. That you're French Canadian? Est-ce que tu parles français? Oui, je peux parler petit peu ah. français, pas beaucoup, mais petit peu. Ok, ton français est bon, ton français oui, est bon. Oui, oui, oui. Ok. Wow. Um, so, Brett, you're also famously known for your work um, alongside Justin um, as Michael Cordero in Jane the Virgin. Uh-huh. You Ooh. were also in About My Father with Robert De Niro. Yes, that's true. Uh, and maybe it's you, a really amazing rom com with Veronica Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Brett. To Thank Man you Enough. so much. Thanks for having me. Okay. This place is a great set. Thanks. Got a whose guitar is that? That was the guitar oh. from the movie Cloud. Sweet. Mm. Yeah. I saw that at the drive-in. Yes, you came to the premiere. I was there. You yeah. were. Yeah. You were at both our premieres, but you were I was five feet apart too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which there's a poster. There's a poster right, right there. Yeah. How come it's not signed? Um, because that was a special edition poster that uh, I was trying to get the studio to release, but they went with a different. Image. Oh, and um, the five feet apart poster for those of us. Great um, movie. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, yeah. you were there. Did, okay, little little trivia. Yeah, uh, Brett Dyer is in Five Feet Apart. It's true. I was an extra, and <laughs> I'm in it with him. Yeah, and we're doctors. We did. We're doctors in the background of a scene. Oh. And if you blink, you'll miss us. But mm-hmm. that. But I was directing from an iPad, and we both put on scrubs. Mm. And we were in the background. Yeah. And he was making the most inappropriate pee and poop jokes. Probably. And penis jokes. Pro- I probably. Doubt it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was trying not to laugh the entire Sweet. time. Well, doctors do deal with a lot of that. Yeah. Especially, your, especially urologists. Especially, especially urologists. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, look, this is going to be a... a, a <laughs> Get ready, guys. This is going to be a fun this time. Was, this was five years. This is going to be fun. Obviously, you've got a lot to catch up on. Real quick, by the way, the first time I met you, you were showering in my house. Do you remember this? I do remember that. It Thank was you. The, it was for Jane the Virgin, the premiere of the showing to the world. Yeah. And you came to my place with Justin... Yeah. And the first thing you said was like, hey, man, good to meet you. Can I use your shower? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So thank you're you welcome. So, much. so do you want to use a shower now? <laughs> Is there one here? <laughs> you had really great soap, I remember. Oh. <laughs> Did you have a good bath? Like, because it's a whole thing, you know. I don't remember this. Oh, yeah. I was there? Yeah, well, you were there. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Did At you your shower? House? You did my shower. House, yeah. I guess I didn't. You didn't shower. I guess, well, okay. I guess maybe you would just come from something. Why did I need to shower so bad? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was going to ask. I'm trying to think back. No, you probably happened? came from something and needed to. But in any case. I hope so. Justin, yeah. let's see if you remember. Or, I mean, Liz, you do it so well. Let's, you know what? Let's forget that Justin for a minute. Yeah. What's the first thing that we like to ask our guests? Well, Brett, we yeah. love to ask our guests, when is the last time that you didn't feel enough? Well, must have been pretty recently. <laughs> I feel like I go through it, but I'm getting better at um, being with the feeling of it. Because I, you know, um, I'd probably say a week ago. It just comes in a wave. And, and what happened a week um, ago? I think I was doing like artwork stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just started, I got, when I first started sharing my art, I got really insecure. It really freaked me out. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like worried about the judgments that could be, oh, go look at this actor posting art now or something like that, you know? So, yeah, it made me feel a little small, and then I had to get to know why that is small, <laughs> and then I figured it out. What'd you, what, did you, what are some of those things that you had done to, so that you wouldn't no longer feel not enough? Well, I like to talk to that part. That's what I've been learning in therapy is to talk to that part uh, and, like, you know, where, where are you coming from? Where, 
what what is it that's uh causing mm. these feelings mm. and a lot of it's childhood stuff it all just seems to go back to that mm-hmm. like feeling small as a kid and all that stuff so yeah feeling small as a kid Brett and i have the same therapist <laughs> yeah we do. do we do and um we do a lot of the same work in that area yes the best she's the best yeah. i'm so thankful for her oh my god she saved my life honestly really yeah you're listening to the mad enough podcast we'll be right back Hey everybody, this is Jamie Heath from the Man Enough Podcast. As you may know, I'm one of the hosts along with Justin and Liz. Man Enough has partnered with a incredible duo, a mother and daughter named Lily and Elisa. They are part of a YouTube channel that they co-founded called Style Like You, and we are co-producing a new season of their hit series, What's Underneath. Over the last eight years, Style Like You has brought over 150 conversations about body image, mental health, and identity to the world. This season is gonna be focused on men and masculinity for the very first time ever. Normally they have women on and they undress, they take a layer of clothing off as they have these incredible discussions. And I think it's really important they do so because it kind of represents undressing and uncovering some of our layers of trauma and learnings. So where can you find this? You can find it on our channel. Every Thursday, we will have the full episode in audio form. And you can also go to their channel where you will get shorter videos um, and you can actually watch it and experience it. So we hope that you join us every week and you can be a part of what we are trying to do, which is reach more people. And we are very fortunate to be part with Lily and Elisa. I hope you enjoy What's Underneath Masculinity, presented by BetterHelp. All right, welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. One of the things that a lot of people don't know, you'll watch 100 episodes of Jane the Virgin and you'll see like little bits of Brett's personality. But Brett, I believe genuinely is one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. Thanks, he, Like I've always, I've always felt like if Jim Carrey had like passed away, Brett would be like the incarnation of Jim Carrey. Really? Oh, that's so like he's sweet. they're so similar in so many ways and they have such similar journeys. And I didn't and do you remember there was a moment in season one where you asked me to come into your trailer? Mm-hmm. And we were we were on location and you started asking me questions and we talked about mental health and we talked about spirituality because you were you were like starting the beginning of this journey yeah. of like processing yeah. your feelings and your emotions. And you talked about like anxiety yeah. and depression a little bit yeah. and what it was like now, you know, cause we were starting to become a little bit famous and it was a whole thing. That was hard. That was really hard. Yeah. So, so when, when did you know, because you've been public about it, when did you know that you had anxiety and you were struggling with depression? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it really hit me when I was around like 18. It's, because I realized, well, especially, yeah, I would say 18. It's when I started really wondering why I feel so low all the time. And then when, I, when I'm when i in groups, I can be big. It just happens naturally, and I like to entertain people. But the second I leave that group, I'm, like, into this really intense uh, depression feeling. Mm. The people that were closest to me in my life, like girlfriends, for example, would are probably the only people that would see that part of me. I would hide it really well around friends. I didn't feel safe to talk about it in friends. So shout out to all my ex-girlfriends for dealing with me. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, girls. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So. And how would you respond when they would point things out to you? I'd probably get even more closed off, and it would just go even harder. Okay. Until recently, until you know, late 20s is when I started really going in, and then I found the therapist that we have, and... I, I did a lot of therapy before that, like EMDR, and that didn't quite mm-hmm. do it. Like talk therapy kind of felt 
like you can only go so far for me with talk therapy. It's more so like going in and mm. feeling it. So you weren't really able to connect with those deeper parts, no. right? So when, when again, ex-girlfriends would tell you stuff, you would get, what would you get defensive, angry, or just shut down? Like kind what of was like your... disassociated almost. Okay. Mm. Like it was almost like I was living from here up mm-hmm. until I, when I started really sinking into my body is when I realized, oh my God, there's a lot in there. Like, And what's so interesting, if you know Brett, because he's just this dynamic talent, there's nothing that he can't do. So he taught himself the guitar and can like riff on the guitar. He taught himself how to break dance. He does these weird, crazy things with his body that you've never seen, like the the zombie oh, yeah. where his knees and ankles bend and he and he can do all of these amazing things. He can do accents, he can do comedy, he can do drama. He's acting and he can get really emotional. And I was like, really, it was really hard for me to believe that here's this guy that didn't have any access to these feelings and these emotions because he's so talented. And Knowing Brett for as long as I've known him and seeing his talent and seeing the way that he lights up a room and makes everybody laugh, Mm. it was one of the first times I understood the private battle that so many famous comedians have had, like Robin Williams, Mm. where I could see like, oh, wait, there's this whole other side to them that the world wasn't able to witness because you have like... as one of your dear friends, you have a lot of Robin Williams in you. Like you have this like, like almost manic, like hilarious energy that you can just on a, on a, on a dime. And then, and then you're by yourself and you're feeling all these big feelings that nobody ever knows about. Mm. And like watching you over the like, you know, the last eight years, like kind of go into that so that that doesn't happen to you has been such a gift. Thanks man. Because like, first of all, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. But like, I know it was a big battle for you, and yet yeah. nobody would know. Like nobody, like on set, nobody knew. Yeah, I know. I know. Nobody that we worked with knew. I was really good at hiding it. So good at hiding it, and it all, and it's like it all went into your work. Yeah. Did yeah. you? Did you? You had alluded earlier that some of it was like childhood, and I don't want you to expose anybody or anything that you're not comfortable with. But whatever you are able to share, yeah. Can you share something about what that means? Like what childhood trauma or experiences do you yeah. think led to? Well, I'll say something that I haven't ever said publicly is that I grew up, I had Tourette's syndrome really bad. So like I started getting Tourette's when I was around nine years old. Mm. And this created a lot of problems for me because back then in 1999, there wasn't TikTok with uh, with other people with Tourette's mm. being like, look at me, I have Tourette's. Mm. Like, so I felt very alone. My parents didn't know what to do. I started not trusting my body at all because I was mm. like, I can't even control it. So life started feeling very scary for me. Mm. All mm. these fears would come into my mind and I'd be like, oh, that's going to happen to me because I have no control over anything now. Like so what, what kind of stuff? What kind of fears? would like, Just it? like, oh, my parents are going to die tomorrow. Like stuff like that. It would just pop oh. into my head and I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen because this happened to me. So how could it not? You know? Mm. Wow. So, yeah, I, that and that's where I think a lot of my stuff feeling small started. Yeah. Because I was terrified going to school. And the only thing that honestly saved my life was Jim Carrey, actually. When I saw the, him do these movies and like Ace Venture and all these stuff, I was able to like... I don't know, use my Tourette's as a way of like making people like me somehow. Like Mm. I was this big comedy guy now all of a sudden and it was a way to like hide my Tourette's. So instead of like ticking, like I would do like ticks and stuff, I would be like, like I would just find a way to like do something funny and then everyone was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. So I incorporated that into my personality and then it just became my Mm. personality. But 
it was really like a lot of Tourette's and stuff. Wow. So, like yeah. turning tragedy into comedy, I right. guess, was a big, almost like a coping mechanism Absolutely. for you. And yeah. probably gave you a, a sense of control over uh-huh. this thing that you had no control over, which as, yes. a, as a kid, feeling out of control is very scary. Oh, yeah. Very scary. Terrifying. Was there anything that, that sort of helped you with your Tourette's as, as a kid? Was there an adult or a support or... My parents did their best, but they really didn't know, kind of, they didn't know how to deal with it. So it was basically what saved my life was like, my parents did put me in a lot of things. Like I was in drama school and then, you know, uh, uh, plays. And so I would always be in piano lessons and taekwondo. He's so an they, amazing pianist. You can do everything. I can do everything. That, well, that, that saved my life, putting put me in all that stuff. Because then yeah. I was just busy doing other things. And yeah, I'd be ticking around when I'm playing the piano. But <laughs> yeah. at least it was something I could put my energy in. Wow. So. And most people wouldn't know that about you unless you had just shared it, right? So right, yeah. obviously so. it is, you've learned through the through your way of comedy and things of that nature yeah. to camouflage it. Well, yeah, and, and I started growing out of it around like 20, 20s, 20, probably 20 is when I started. I still have it like 5% if I'm nervous or angry. Mm. I kind of like I get like, <clears throat> like I start getting ticks and stuff, but I'm really good at hiding it, so... Well, mm. not hiding it anymore. It's more so just it just kind of naturally went away. Yeah. Yeah. Managing. It, it seems like you, you learned to manage it. Manage it. Manage yes. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just curious. Um, do you think that the Tourette's was at all some sort of response to something emotional? I, I do kind of think that sometimes. I wonder if it is. Especially considering that it, as you kind of got more into your body, it started to kind of go away. Yeah. Maybe. I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just curious. It's hard to tell. I'll have to look into that tomorrow at 12. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look into it tomorrow at 12. I mean, I think uh-huh. something like I, I had a, I, you know, it's it's different, but I had a stutter oh, yeah? when I was young. And it eventually, again, it will come, same, well, it'll come back in certain, you know, when I'm nervous or certain mm. weird, you know, sort of environments that I'm in. And it was a similar thing where I, my mom was helpful, but my, like, people just laugh at you. Kids love to find the sort of thing that makes you different. Did you feel also, like, just bringing it back to masculinity, you know, what boys can be kind of mean, right? And, yeah, and kind ruthless. Of. And <laughs> did yeah. they, yeah, did you, how was your relationship with other boys? Well, they would call me spaz and stuff. Okay. But but when I started making them laugh is when they kind of stopped calling me names. Mm-hmm. So that's when I, you know, I would latched onto that and that became kind of my identity for a long time was I'm the funny guy. So this is how I can, you know, cope. <laughs> and then so. you had, to, and then you became famous doing a show where you couldn't be funny. Wait, which crazy, was, right? Which was, so I watched this happen. What a trip that was, was In real me. time, because he's like the funny guy. And then he's got, he's not allowed to be funny on the show. That was hard. What do you mean he's not allowed? Well, he was, uh, he was playing, he was, was like, playing okay, a detective. They really yeah. wouldn't let you. Did you want to make it funny and you couldn't? He kept <laughs> trying. Okay. He tried every scene. One, ep- one episode <laughs> I went so far because this was like the ninth episode. I remember that specifically because it was such a big moment for me. <laughs> but I, I started improvising. I was going crazy. And, and Jenny the creator of Jane the Virgin kind of like sent me an email and be like we're watching the dailies you can't do that <laughs> <laughs> like I was insane I was going like duh, 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 and all of a sudden like Michael was this I don't know nutcase <laughs> out of nowhere so yeah um, that was really hard so I would just then and I would... he had so much like cop dialogue oh my god that like was so hard. much like police dialogue okay. that was hard which is not 
No, yeah. Do that. I was like, how do I make that funny? And so sometimes I would like say it all with my eyes shut and pretend to start falling asleep. Like Sin Rostra, I was going to the, and I would just do these big monologues like that. I had to do something. But then eventually I found my way of being, um, you know, I had to be serious at some point because that was the role. So what was great is if you if you watched the show, which I'm sure many of our uh, audience has, you see over the course of the five years, our our real personalities got to come into our characters. Yes. So there were episodes where he really did get to be funny and do crazy things. Right. Or like we would have these fantasy moments that weren't real where our characters would be slapping each other or you know doing ridiculous things. Yeah. And the biggest challenge for me over those five years was I was not able to act with Brett and keep a straight face. Mm. <laughs> so every time we were in a scene together and we had to be mad at each other because we loved each other so much, he yeah. was always doing something that made me laugh, always. <laughs> and I could never keep a straight face. Mm. And then you know we were all, we were always behind on the show. Like yeah. always behind. You're doing uh, you know so much television and it was always like Justin. And I'm like Brett keeps making me laugh. <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah. We had a lot of good times on that show though together. So that you with your good times, share with us a little bit about this and I don't want to make this about you and Justin exactly, but maybe we can glean from some of this experience. I'm imagining you on a show with Justin mm-hmm. who outwardly is this tall, beautiful, strong, manly, masculine person that mm-hmm. everybody likes, mm-hmm. that does big grand things, that is successful outside of the show, but doing other things that are growing traction and things of that nature. What was that like for you to be working with someone who at least appeared outwardly that he had it all together? Well, honestly, it was great because Justin let me be myself fully. And that's why it's like, I had such a great time with you. The second I was like, oh, I can joke with this guy and be an idiot, I was like, I love him. Like, this, because that's all we really want, right? Is people to make you feel like you can be yourself. And Justin really made me feel like I could be myself. So, um, yeah. Well, interestingly enough, you say that about me, but I was the one that was having private feelings about Brett. I had quit acting for a few years before Jane the Virgin came along, just to focus on directing. And I was starting to build what we are doing now with Wayfair Studios. And I never really felt like I was a great actor because I was always cast in roles based on how I looked. And then I got this role, and here we were shooting the pilot. I hadn't acted in a couple years. And I was like watching the scenes with Brett and Gina, and Gina's like a savant actress who's just like, Same. literally she could be laughing, and then they say action, and she's like sobbing. And you're like, how? that's not, there's something that's strange. That's, that's, it's, it's a weird thing. And she's so brilliant and talented. And Brett was just as talented. And these cast members were so talented. And I remember just feeling like, ooh, I'm not supposed to be here. I think they made a mistake. Or am I only here because of the way that I look? Mm. And then the more I got to know Brett, and I'd see that he was funny, and then I'd see him like be emotional. I remember the the proposal scene (laughs) in the pilot, and you're like, and I was like, this guy is so good. And I was the one that was having a lot of feelings about like, man, I wish I was as good an actor as Brett. Hmm. Even so that when they decided to kill off your character, I was like, it should have been me. You put so much into the show. You put so much into the character and you cared so much and you were so dynamic. And I was always insecure. And then also because we had this love triangle thing happening, right? It was like Team Michael, Team Raphael. I would go and act with Gina and it was this strange thing where I was like, oh, she's going to be disappointed because it's not Brett. 
Because hmm. when I would watch you guys together, it was like, phew, it was like magic. So I dealt with that a lot wow. over the course of those few years. But you were so great on the show. Like, Old. You, I, it never showed. So <laughs> Stop, please. Uh, it was no, really no, great. Like, you were great. <laughs> No, but, then, but it's real. But, that, but like we all have these private battles and like yeah. that's the imposter syndrome for me has been yeah. a huge thing that I've dealt with for years. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Jamie reminds me all the time that I'm just not that funny. That's true. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think you're funny. But, I think you're funny. But, but seeing that really? and seeing you, <laughs> oh God. But like you just had all of these things that I, that I wish I had had. And so that was just something that I don't think I'd ever shared with you. No, yeah. But it was something yeah. that I had to like remind myself that I was enough mm. and that I was, uh, that I belonged. Hmm. And then when you left which I know was also really hard. I was like, oh man, my person's gone. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. My dude. Well, I was worried that when I left that we'd never see each other again. And it was weird leaving because I was like, oh, they're all gonna stay then? <laughs> <laughs> what was that like for you? I mean, you handled it so well, but what well, was that like for you when Cordero was killed? I was axed. <laughs> I feel like it was, um, I did feel, I, I, I was gonna really miss you guys and being in that, in that like, I felt like we were all really close in a yeah. way, and we went through the same thing together of this like new. None of us were really famous, or just whatever Jaime. you want to say. Just, just Jaime. Jaime, just Jaime in Mexico. Yeah. So we all dealt with this new new thing together. But yeah, what was the question? How did you feel when you got fired right. or killed off the show? And yeah, like what did you go through? Like did you did you struggle as like Brett the human, the man? Did you have like? feelings of like, I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, is that why this happened? Like, I'm just curious what that was like for you because it was like a big, we were a family and we were doing this every episode, every week for yeah. two years and then boom, and we didn't know. Yeah, I think, okay, I think at this point I remember now, I felt like I was drowning in my life. So doing the show nine months of the year for like what, sometimes 14 hours a day and stuff like that, Yeah, it was too much for me, honestly. It was too much for my mental health. I couldn't sustain my life. I kind of felt like I was being pulled from one thing and I had no like balance at all. Mm -hmm. So I, I was kind of relieved when that happened. I'm not gonna lie. But then I also felt kind of lost mm. afterwards. I was like, okay, I've been putting my effort into this thing and now I'm just sitting with myself now. Why do I feel so miserable? Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't have 14 hours a day to be like, yay. Distracting yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so. How'd you get through that? Well, I spent a lot, I didn't act in, like, yeah, I didn't act very much for a bit. I did a pilot that was like a week long or something, and then I'd, I really kind of, I think ever since then, I've kind of taken acting more um, sparingly. Mm. Like, I really, my main focus is my mental health. And, yeah, you're really selective with what you do, which I yeah. just love about you so much. Yeah. yeah, and I would yeah. think if if comedy had been was this sort of shield that you used or or, or or this sort of armor, then losing that role must have had a deeper meaning to it. A little bit during that time, it also kind of made me realize like what are the what is the work I really want to do because yeah. it was hard for me being the serious guy for so long. Right, and it kind of made me go like I I really need to get this this energy I have out, and it, it made me realize like what I really want to do. You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. You know, you both talked about masking so oh, much, yeah, right? right? Like mm -hmm. and for yeah. you it was masking, you know, am In I am I not enough? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And and for you again, the just the way that you 
found comedy like comedy saved you yes, as it a did. kid right? it really did yeah and so but the things that allow us to survive don't you know as children don't necessarily allow us to thrive as adults it's true you probably had to figure out what is my relationship to the and, and comedy performance acting whatever right yeah. that bucket is big i i just figured out my relationship well not figured out fully i got ways to go but mm. i'd say three years ago is when i really started going um because I used to post really fun, kind of wacky videos on Instagram. And now um, it just doesn't feel right anymore. Like I feel like I'd be faking it. Because okay. I I went, I'm dealing with this all my life kind of now. Like I'm, once you start doing really intense therapy <laughs> and learning how to, you know, the stuff that we do with the... Learning how to hold, learning how to really talk to your inner child. Yeah. And hold that part of you that you've ignored for so long. Yeah, yeah. and face it and feel it fully. You realize that, like, I don't necessarily right now in my life feel very funny. <laughs> mm. So, and I need to honor that because, mm. yeah, so much of my identity was wrapped into that. Like, oh, now what? And I can't be funny now? Like, what's my yeah. problem? Like, I went through that for a little bit. It's been a journey of understanding, like, who am I when I'm not the funny person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and being okay with being um vulnerable and, and wearing my heart on my sleeve and all that kind of stuff because yeah. I never used to do that I used to just walk around and be in that case what what <laughs> did um can you describe to our audience what depression feels like yeah um because I believe that a lot of people specifically men but a lot of people are walking around with depression and they don't know it yeah it's this kind of low grade, not even low, sometimes it's high grade, but um, sense of, it's just, you just, like the body language would be just like this, like just kind of hunched over and everything kind of feels a little bit meaningless. And um, yeah, it's just this, this ache. It's like this intense ache, I guess I would just describe it. And even when things are well yeah. around your life. Well, when things are well, I notice it turns to numbness. And then there's this numbness in the background. And so it's like, because it never really goes away unless you go into it. Mm -hmm. You got to go into it and, and feel it and understand it fully is when it starts to dissipate, I've noticed. But, you know, it, it's hard, especially in our industry, that when you book a role or when something good happens externally, it almost puts pushes it down a little bit. And then so that you can right. go and do this thing and you're like, oh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm worth something. I'm working. Mm. I'm making money. And then there's just this, this numbness in the background that you never really get to until you get to it. And then you realize it's, you know, it's trying to say something. Um, what was the, if you can remember, do you remember like your lowest moment? Like in my life? Yeah, like your lowest, like when depression felt like it had taken over you, that like it was in control, like... Did you ever feel like this life was too much? Yeah, absolutely. Many times. Mm. Even on Jane the Virgin, like sometimes I would get back to like my house and just don't, I, I, I didn't have the capacity for my life anymore. It felt like mm. I just didn't have it in me. It's too much. But I felt that way as a teenager sometimes too. I had a hypochondria for like a couple of years that came out of nowhere where I was like constantly afraid of having cancer. <laughs> I was always like, what, what, my lymph nodes? I've been there. I've yeah. been there. Yeah. yeah, you have? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, 
what where did that come from? I don't know. I think it comes from my lack of trust in life that started when I was a kid about the Tourette's thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so then I was like, I had this thought and then I really grabbed onto the thought and now I'm like I was I went to the, get like nine ultrasounds. And finally the ultrasound guy was like Look, man, you're not dying. Uh, you're not dying. Wow. Yeah. Well, because your body is feels like it's betraying you in exactly. a way, right? Right. Um, and so then it it creates. How else are you going to betray me? And I couldn't control it because I didn't know it was coming as a kid. But maybe if I can plan for it, then I can control it. Do you it, think it's yeah. a, an element of that? I think so. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine mine started when I was a kid, and doing a lot of the work that we've done, I remembered that I would get hurt to get attention. Oh, so I, and then it got to a point where I just feel like I became a, like a powerful manifester. Like I'm the tallest person in my family by like five inches, six inches, because I didn't want to be short or I, I just, like, I just remember always, Oh, I, you know what? I, I got to get out of school. So school was terrible. So I would get sick something. Wow. And then I would get attention. Huh. Or my dad would pick me up from work. But then that turned into feeling like, oh, wait, what else am I going to create you know, for attention? And mm-hmm. when I started to do my last days, which really is what led to so much of my success, I spent the better part of my, my 20s with people who were dying of terminal illnesses. Hmm. And I took on so much of their energy because I was like the last person that they were interacting with outside of like their personal lives who was in charge of telling their stories. Wow. And so, so much energy transference happened. So like literally their energy came into my body. I had no idea. Hmm. And I finished that show at like 28, 29. And suddenly I was like, oh wait, I have a headache. Do I have geoblastoma? Like Ryan, the first person, or, you know, Claire from the, who inspired Five Feet Apart, or Zach who had osteosarcoma. Like I had an ache in my hip. And I just started all of you know the 30, 40 stories I told mm. were just living in my body. So I was the same way. Wow. I was like, that is there something sense. wrong with me? I spent so much time on Google, wow. like trying to figure out, am I okay? What's Google. wrong? Because I had torn Google. so many muscles over the course of yeah. my life. I'm like, wait, does there, do I have a, all, and all of this. And then I had to go into it and I realized like, oh my God, it's, it's actually not that. Yeah. It's the little boy who wanted attention. It's like, wow, yeah. It's the, wow. it's the intuitive and the empathetic man who was taking on these feelings who didn't even know because mm. I, I couldn't feel my, I, I didn't know that I was empathetic, yeah. but I was absorbing so much yeah. of it. So I totally understand what that's like. And wow. I know a lot of people have suffered from hypochondria or suffer from like this deep fear of dying, yeah. which really is a fear of not being in control. Mm-hmm. Right. So interesting. Yeah, I'm glad you guys share this. I, I don't have that at all. Good for Jamie, you. Jamie doesn't have most of the things. Yeah, that most I have. Of stuff. And, and, and I say awesome. that not as like to compare. I'm saying I, listening to it. You know what you do have? Tell a me. Beautiful voice. Oh yes. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I've never not felt enough. I've never been depressed. I, I don't mean not. We all experience depression, like um, you lose a child or um, you you get a divorce. There's there's an event that happens yeah. that causes some sadness. And you might go through it for you a have few dips. days. I've seen yeah. you have dips. Yeah, yeah. For There's a something days. like that happens. You're like feeling sad about that. That I think we all feel. My mother, who is bipolar, um, will feel those feelings even when there's not something to name necessarily, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, oh, because my son got into a car accident and I'm sad or this. It's just the next week. No matter what's good around you, you're feeling something that's um, in a depressed state. And I don't relate to it myself. I relate to it because I've experienced it, witnessed it in that regard. 
But I think it's so important because there are so many that do experience it, either because they can name it or not. And the fact that someone like yourself and you as well, Jay, can speak to it and also not feel shame about it mm-hmm. and allow other people to listen and go like, you know what, I, I kind of experienced that as well and I can't seem to get out of it. So, but there are ways that we can get out of it mm-hmm. or ways that we can at least address it enough so that we're not stuck. And some people deal with being stuck in different ways. Some people self-medicate. Some people go really extreme and do other things, yeah. sabotage their own life, whatever yeah. it may be. And some people do art and sell it on Instagram. That's, yes, indeed. That's what I do. So, <laughs> so right before you tell us about your art and Instagram, yeah. tell us, aside from the therapy that you've done, yeah. um, I know that you're super spiritual and you have a connection in the way that you do. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of those practices or things that you do that give that meaning to your life? Um, you yeah. know, that doesn't keep you stuck. Well, yeah, meditation's been huge. I, Vipassana meditation is what I really do a lot. What is that? I went on a, it's like, it's basically sensations, body scanning over and over again kind of thing and being able to accept everything that's going on, kind of just giving it the space it needs to be. I noticed that when you don't identify with it and you just kind of watch it, it really has a lot of space to move through you. And, and Vipassana meditation taught me that. I did like a 10-day silent retreat, and that really was a big game changer. At least it gave me the foundation to learn how to do that properly. And then with the therapy that we do, it's kind of, you know, teaches you that as well. Rock climbing has been huge for me, getting out there, moving my body. It's also like a mental game too a little bit, so it really gets you focused. Um, and then, yeah, my art has been huge for me. Mm. Yeah, Tell us about your art. Well, my art. So, all right, see ya. <laughs> no. um, my art's been awesome, man. It, it's, uh, I started doing it, well, I really started doing it like probably four months ago. And uh, I mean, it's something I really probably do six hours a day. Wow. Really? Yeah. He used to, he used yeah. to draw on set. Yeah, doodles. Like, he used to do little doodles of aliens and yeah. fun things. Yeah. And we're always like, again, everything he touches, he's so good at. A lot, of, it, it helps me um, process things. Sometimes I, Sometimes when I'm drawing something and then I realize, oh, I'm, I'm expressing my sadness right now in a, in a form of an alien doodle, you know, or I'm expressing my childhood, how, how that felt when I was a kid, when I was joyful. So a lot like my art, it's like a weird thing. It sounds kind of corny, but it does kind of speak to me in a way. Like I, I learn a lot about myself when I look at my art at the end and I can always tell what state of mind I'm in when I'm, when I'm drawing something and if it looks sad or there's like an alien crying or something, it's like, oh yeah, I am actually really sad right now. Mm. So it's interesting. Sometimes I don't really even have an idea of what I'm gonna do. I just kind of put my pencil down and start going. And then this thing happens and it's like, it kind of teaches me about myself sometimes in that moment or what I'm needing. Yeah. Beautiful. And are you doing it just for yourself or are you doing it for public? Now I'm doing it, I'm selling it now too. You are? Yeah, which has been really fun for me. Where do we find it? On Instagram. You can and, go to, what's your Instagram? Oh, uh, Brett Dyer. <laughs> we can buy it there. We can click something and buy it. Well, I post it on my story once a week, and I am making a website. So that'll be available in probably November. I'm trying Sweet. to get a lot of stuff together for that. That's so cool. I'm so That's happy so for you. Good. Thanks, man. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate so, it. So why aliens? I love aliens, man. They make me happy. Do you believe them? I do. I think I, I, would, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. When Especially when that... Um, you know when NASA, NASA released that photo of the, mm-hmm. all those galaxies? Yeah. I mean, there's got to be one alien in there. There's got to be. <laughs> Come on. I mean, yeah. yeah, the galaxies are, and they're it's all crazy. multiple times the size of our own. Yeah. Every star was a galaxy. Yeah. Billions of planets in like idea, each one or something? How arrogant. 
yes. is it of okay. us to think say. that this universe huh. Very that's got endless, infinite amount of stars and planets, yeah. galaxies, universes, all within this, mm-hmm. that our one little nothing, oh, yeah. as wonderful and beautiful as it is, mm. is the only one that has life. Like, how yeah. arrogant is that? Yeah. Very arrogant. One of the things I love about Jamie and I are both Baha'is and the Baha'i faith. Mm. Um, Baha'u'llah says that every fixed star has its planets and every planet's its creatures. That's dope. Mm-hmm. I like that. Whoa. I like that. Mm. Yeah, so aliens, basically. Aliens, okay, That's great. what that means. Great. How crazy that, like, there's so much happening in the world right now that, like, all the governments are saying, oh, yeah, aliens yes. exist, and people are, like, we don't care. ignoring yeah. it. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. We've, we've yeah. reached the point where we're not even able to hold the fact that there might be extraterrestrial life yeah, yeah, because yeah. we're dealing with, like, you know... Too much. Just too poli- much going Partisan on. politics. Yeah. We're just getting, um, like, overloaded, yes. overstimulated. Like, yeah, unless they can pay my student loans, I'm not interested. In um, aliens. Really. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it seems like a lot of what you're talking about is... So much of depression is disconnection. Yeah. And I think... Mm. And you, addiction. And addiction for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to like pinpoint, right? Connection feels like something. But disconnection feels numb and feels yeah. like nothing. Yeah. And so it's hard to sort of know what it is. And so all these, you know, rock climbing and art and that's connection to your body, to to the world, right? You're like touching something, you're doing something, you're accomplishing something. Do you also connect with other people? Is there, is it, you know, do you find it easier to connect with men? You brought up ex-girlfriends before. Like, do you feel like your depression also severed that ability to really connect with, with, with women that you were in partnerships with? That's a really good question. And actually, I feel more comfortable connecting with women, actually. And, and I've always had a difficult time really connecting to people, I think. And I notice it now, especially, where I'm like, you know, doing all this work on myself. I realize, like, I have a tough time because connection feels unsafe sometimes it's mm-hmm. like it feels like oh i'm about to get trapped if i connect with this person or like this person's going to shut me down and not be you know r- nice to me or something like i'm going to get hurt because i think i've been hurt a lot in my life so my body's carrying a lot of that okay so i'm trying to m- move through a lot of that in my life mm-hmm. right now and um i am trying to connect more and is that what that tattoo on your arm is for no the, the remember? Yeah, it says remember. I'm about to get that remo- removed. <laughs> so that he forgets. <gasps> so. I forgot. Yeah, it's getting forget over top. I also have an alien meditating on my bicep. Oh, wow. If you want to get a close-up on my bicep. That look, is... You're looking good. Thanks, man. Hilarious. What, what is the remember? What, what was that? I kind of... I had this awakening a long time ago and felt like I needed to get that on my arm, which I don't. <laughs> I could have just had the awakening and lived my life. Uh. <laughs> but I was like, gotta remember... And then he did it way too big, and I and obviously you know they put a stencil on, but it was too late. I I said yeah to the stencil because I didn't want to hurt his feelings, <laughs> being it's it's too big. I really should have got it about this big. So uh, what you're saying is right you got a tattoo, in some way also because you were people pleasing. Probably, I think I didn't want to hurt the guy's feelings. Yeah, are you? Well, a, are you? It's not how I see it though. I see it actually after what you've been talking about. Now it doesn't matter how I see it because it's on you and how you see it matters. Yeah. But listening to what you're sharing, to me, it's like, remember that I have purpose, that I'm enough, that whatever yeah. I'm going through will not last right. th- forever. Yeah, that's, um, that is good. It does change. Yeah. It does change. Sometimes I put some groceries down there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. before we, we move on to, and I do, I want to talk about people pleasing. I'm so interested in your question. Like, I do want to stay on the, like, partnerships thing with okay. with women right because yeah. as you're talking i'm thinking about like so many relationships that that i've had with men where i feel like that 
is what was going on, but mm. I internalize something completely different about the situation. Oh, I love where this is going. Right? And so my interpretation was like, I'm not enough, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, we're, he's not interested in me or I'm I'm not pretty enough or I'm not being, you know, if, if, if I was different, then we w- he would be able to connect with me or, or we would have the relationship that I, you know, and it can be very confusing because I'm wondering if, it, if this is how I came through with these, you know, girlfriends that you had where there's a desire for connection yeah and then there's this like break right and then it's a, mm. if, if, when you're on the other end of it it's it's not just like i don't want to connect because that would be easy i'd be like okay he doesn't want me you know this is not interesting to me but because there's this back and forth sometimes with men who are i think emotionally disconnected from themselves when you're in a relationship with a, with, with a guy like that you end up making it about yourself mm. and not really getting often the resolution that you're offering right now, I, I, I think, you know, for, for yourself. So what would be your mm. message to your ex-girlfriends? Or maybe there's one in particular, not naming any names, but what would you tell them now that you didn't know then? Well, wow, that's a great question. I think, um, I also think a lot of it has to do with, you know, timing in life too. It's like, I don't think I was necessarily ready for some of these relationships, but I want connection and you know when there's a spark it's like you you know you go and then and then sometimes I stay too long because I don't want to hurt them or you know there's this fear of um not wanting yeah just not wanting to be alone sometimes and all these things so there's a lot going on which keeps you in a relationship that you know deep down isn't right but I would probably say you know um I'm very vocal now because I I'm a very honest person because I understand myself a lot better than I did but what would I say to my ex-girlfriends? Oh, geez. Um, check out my art on Instagram, at Brett. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I would say... Joke, joke, joke! <laughs> I don't know what I would say. I don't know. That, that's a tough question. Well, I, I, you know, I loved all of them. We're all going through stuff, and it's not anyone's fault. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. even stuff I've had to deal with with certain relationships, it's never their fault. It, it's like we've... We have a life before we met, and we're still processing that life before we met, and sometimes it gets taken out on the other person and these kinds of things, but to not personalize it and blame it on yourself is is a big thing for sure, and it's easy to do, especially when you're not getting enough in a relationship. It's easy to go it's me you know what's well, so vulnerable right? right you're yeah. you're you know in many cases literally you know naked <laughs> the most intimate you know physically yeah. emotionally with someone and so yeah. it's and 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 you're playing out your stuff too right you're receiving right like information is is not objective yeah hmm. tell me something yeah 90 seconds oh shit okay or 75 seconds okay we're in an elevator kind of like an elevator pitch right you, okay and i ask hey brett tell me who you are give me 75 second version really quick i'm gonna this is the last time i'm ever gonna see you and okay. i just you want to give me a glimpse of who you are Tell okay me that in 75 seconds well my name is brett i was born in london ontario i'm a very sensitive person but i'm working on things i'm working on things and uh, i love to create i love to bring joy to the world i hope that's what i can do i i'm sometimes i feel guilty if i bring anyone down and if i ever have i'm so sorry <laughs> I have a cat named Noonie who I love so much. I love rock climbing. It brings me joy. I love making art. I, I love to act. I want to make people feel things. That's why I love to act, whether it's make someone sad or laugh or whatever it is. I just want people to feel. I can be funny. I can be goofy. But only when I want to now. Before, I felt like I had to. <laughs> I like to read graphic novels. Love them. I love being inspired by other people's art. And um, I do like long walks on the beach, to be quite frank. And um, aliens are real. 
What can I say? <laughs> I, thank you. I love that. You know, uh, I, I in listening to you, I believe that. Um, I think many people believe, but I can for myself believe that we are here in existence on this planet not to serve ourselves. Ultimately, at the end of the day, um, that we are here to serve humanity. Mm-hmm to bring forth an ever advancing civilization. So we can't be in the same place that we were 100 years ago or 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, right? We have to keep advancing, which is why we're given different spiritual teachers to kind of enlighten us, bring us to another level, why we do work on ourselves as well, but not just so that I can be more content, but that so that humanity can can be more content and yeah. continue to grow. I really believe that's our purpose. I believe that too. I think that's a beautiful thing. So all that you've been through and what you're doing, mm-hmm. ultimately, is and a lot of what you had said there was in service to others to bring people joy or to make people feel something. Mm. Tell me how specifically you might or do you think you might do things that actually are tangibly that you can point to if you had children or nieces or nephews that you could say, you know, these are some of the ways that I have done to advance society. Is it through championing women, championing race, championing whatever it may be, championing those with disabilities, mm. um, speaking about my pain and struggle so that others can learn. How do you feel that you have identified your service to humanity? Well, I love to bring joy to people. That's something that is mean, a lot means a lot to me. I like bringing people up and making them laugh because I know that when you're laughing, it's really hard to feel sad. Mm. I love th- the projects that I do I want there to have meaning in them. So I've, I've, I've done some projects that have meaning and um, that do kind of, you know, when you watch it, hopefully makes you think a different way. Like even Jane the Virgin was a really important show for that time. I want to bring people together. I really try not to judge people. Mm-hmm. I just want to bring people together and bring joy. And if I can do that through my acting or making stupid videos or through my art, that's where I'm at right now. And hopefully the more I heal, the more I can do that's really the goal i just want to be i do want to be of service to people and i want to make this place fun mm-hmm. and joyful beautiful yeah i think you're doing it oh, you are doing it thanks man just even in this one moment right now oh thanks you know um i mean you've been doing it for a while now and but you you'll too. continue to you too you guys you, you guys do beautiful things i just wanted to know i i don't know you much but you seem beautiful thank you she yeah. is <laughs> Yeah. Liz is um, one of the sweet, sweet souls that walk this planet and does a lot of work and cares about everyone, cares about men and our well-being. That's awesome. And um, so she deals with some of our crap, yeah. reflects There's a lot some of, of the stuff that's stuff. really good, um, learns herself hopefully a thing or two, mm-hmm. um, but we learn a lot from her. She's really wonderful. Yeah. Sweet. How are you feeling, man? I'm just so happy that we're doing this. Yeah, me too. Me too. And you quit caffeine recently. Uh, coffee two and a half years ago. Mm. That's, that's that's big because I remember you used to drink a lot of it. I, dr- I I was that's how I was IV. surviving. Yeah. When I started doing the work that Brett and I do, which is so much about somatic awareness and release, yeah. I realized I could not feel my body. I had I was like like when you say you were just head up, Numb. which is what so many of us men, by the way, are head up, right? So I, in man enough, I joke like the, you know, the longest distance a man will ever ever travel is the distance between his head and his heart. Mm. And I just was completely numb and I was just living off caffeine and like, do, 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 do. I was stuck in the hustle and, yeah. you know, 14 hours a day on Jane and doing these other businesses and stuff. And I was just living on caffeine. I don't know caffeine. how you did it. Yeah. You, I did it because of coffee. Yeah. And, and how long have you been off coffee? Uh, a year off coffee now. And, yeah. but, and then I quit matcha lattes a month ago. <laughs> mm. What was that like? <laughs> that was hard. But matcha started hurting my stomach. 
aligning. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like I started getting, you know. Yeah, you get old and then yeah, yeah you start. <laughs> no, it's true. Like for me, alcohol, and go- it's a little bit like my body can't, I mean, my body can't, can't handle care. alcohol in the same way. And, and I'm I- like, thank you. So how did I do? Oh, man. Was I okay? <laughs> Are you kidding? This is, uh, I mean, from the first time I met you when you showered in my house. Right. Um, which is, I don't know, how, how long ago did Jane premiere? Ten Seven, years eight, ago, ten right? Ten years ago? No, 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 no. It couldn't have been nine. ten years ago. Nine. Well, so we, we shot the pilot in yeah. 2013 or 14? 14. 2014. 2014, yeah. Okay. So next, so in, uh, so in, in February or March, no, in March it will be ten years. Holy moly. Wow. Since That's we shot crazy. The, since so since we shot then. the pilot, yeah. Wow. But you know, I what, what I love that we're we're doing. And we don't look a day older than when we shot that. Not a day, I hope do not. We? Is there a mirror anywhere? You you have um, we have listeners, and I think most people that listen to our podcast don't really care about celebrity in the sense of like, you know, what's your house look like? What car do you drive? And what are you doing? And who's your latest girlfriend? And all that stuff. Which is why oftentimes we watch like Fallon or things like that late night shows so that we can see celebrities and what they're doing. I think most people listen to this because they want to hear how people that they may not expect how they're experiencing real life. Yeah. Because oftentimes we separate those celebrities from their neighbors. So to hear what you're going through in real life, which makes it human and just names it in a way that's okay for our listeners, especially men that can hear you and be like, yeah, I experienced some of that stuff. Mm. I'm really grateful that we have that, that just listeners can hear a real man talk about life, some of his joys, some of his struggles. Um, we did this with Anthony Ramos, who's you know killing it right now, and he shared a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff. And we got so many responses of like, ah, oh, it's so wonderful to hear someone that I never expected to, oh, to go through good. some yeah. of the stuff. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, thanks for creating a safe environment where I can do it in. And yeah, I, yeah, I, felt, I felt genuinely good to do it, so yeah. thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah. And then just you know, for any of the men that are listening, if you are someone that has a hard time building and creating male friendships. Brett, what do you think it was for you and me specifically? Because here we were, we were two men brought together on the show. We were playing people that were not supposed to like each other mm-hmm. and we had our own little like love fest. What was it, do you think, between us that allowed for there to be such a deep, meaningful, vulnerable relationship? Because I think that men struggle to have the kind of friendship maybe that you and I do. And 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 keep in mind, like Brett and I, you know, I was just married. I'd been married a year, just got pregnant, like had yeah. a whole life happening. So yeah. Brett and I, we, we didn't like hang out. We were together every day, but yeah. we didn't like hang out on the weekends that often. Yeah. But we had a deep, meaningful friendship to the point where like he could call me if he needed something and I could call him. Mm-hmm. How does a man listening to this show who desires the kind of relationship that you and I had, a work relationship that turned into a real friendship. How does a man go about that? Like, what was it about you and me that made it possible? I feel like we were, like, pretty open with each other right off the bat for whatever reason. So vulnerability. Vulnerability, absolutely. If you got stuff going on, don't, like, hide it from your friends. I feel like I, you, you never hid anything from me, really, and yeah. I never did anything with you. I think there was this openness with us. So vulnerability, absolutely. I mean, I even told I even told you a few times that I was intimidated by you and your acting. Yeah, like, yeah, you did. Well, that so probably wasn't the, the, yeah. the, the friendship, right? Revealing a weakness. I thought you were just being nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was being serious. That was my way to be like I was. Yeah. I had to let some of it out because yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. But and you and you took it and you held it and so vulnerability. You think you think that was the thing? Both neither one of us were like posturing and trying to act like 
No, you yeah. were bigger or better than the other yeah, one. It exactly. was more like, hey, man, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Vulnerability. And, you know, yeah, we, we both just naturally let each other be ourselves with each other. Mm. Like there was no, I have to be a certain way now around you, you know. Some of my favorite memories were when we would be in between scenes and like we'd go into each other's dressing rooms and just yeah. hang out. Yeah, that was dope. And it was just, we would just talk. And well, let's do that out. real quick. Just just at the end of our podcast here. Rapid fire. Okay. okay. We're going to go back to Jane. For all those who are listening who are Jane the Virgin fans. And if you're not a Jane the Virgin fan and you've never seen the show, I'm so yeah, sorry there's so much Jane no, the Virgin on the show. No, no, this is good. This go is good. Uh, um, tell us, were you Team Raphael or Team Michael as an objective watcher? I started with being Team Michael, and I because I I was like I shouldn't be on I, this is not Raphael is not a you wouldn't want to root for Raphael at the beginning of the Rapid season. Rapid fire. Um, but then I became Team Jane. Team, team Jane. Team Jane. Yeah. Oh, nice. How about you? I think in the end I became Team Jane. Obviously, I just wanted her to be happy. Yeah. But I was Team Michael for sure because you're playing him and you want him. You know. All right. Who was the funniest person on set? Brett. Who was the um, Thanks, most, um, the sweetest? Brett, kind Brett, Brett and then ha Jaime. Jaime was really funny. Jaime was oh, very funny Jaime, too. okay. Jaime's, we, Jaime's been on our show as well. Who was yeah, the most I, generous yeah. person? Everybody was generous, but who was like the most generous person on set? I'd say you. Like, well, you and Gina, I would say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Who fought the most on set? Who was fought the most? I don't know. I never arguments. really fought. I feel like Jaime fought with a few directors. Jaime. There's a few directors that Jaime fought with. But. Yeah. Who do you think inspired the most of you guys to like be your your best? Like who just came, was like the, a coach that just made you guys feel like you could go and champion the world? I think I think Gina, yeah. for sure. Yeah, she, I, I think she, one of the yeah. things to talk about I also so. is like, you know, Gina, and I, wrote, I write about Gina in my book because she really was a force, but also I write about a specific moment, and this was in season, I don't know what season it was, th three or four, where I was afraid to go to Gina for advice on a scene. Hmm. I was feeling insecure, and as a man, what are we taught? We're taught to fake it till you make it, yeah, right. to posture, to be like, no, nah, I got this, and like put on confidence. And I would do that when I would go to set a lot, and then Deep down, I was like, man, she's so freaking good. I like want to get advice, but I don't want her to think that I'm not a good actor, so I don't want to ask her for advice. And so I struggled being vulnerable with her. Hmm. And then it was shortly after your character died, and it was just me and her in all these scenes together. And I remember going to her one day and asking her for how she would play this specific moment. It was like a big acting turn, and there was some comedy in there. And I remember she looked at me, and she was like, oh, here you are, welcome. She's like, welcome. Oh, wow. Almost like she'd been waiting for me to wow. ask her for four years. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Wow. And from that moment in the show, our chemistry just like dialed wow. up times 10. Yeah. And, Love it. And it was a huge moment for me as a man to be able to go to a woman mm -hmm. who is arguably better at this thing than me and say, can you help me? Hmm. I could never do that, that because I thought that by the admission of me asking her for help, it would make me feel like I, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't a leader, she couldn't trust me. Right. Because we have all this stuff as men, like, like, oh, I have to, like the captain of the ship can't be scared. Mm -hmm. Every captain of the ship is scared. Also, so, if the captain doesn't know his weakness, you're not, he's not, he's a, not good a good captain. captain. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. the captain of the team, a football team, doesn't know the weakness, exactly. he's not a good captain. Yeah, you have to be able to make mistakes and, yeah. and lose and get advice. So she gave me this advice, and then I, I remember being like, feeling free from that moment oh, on, good. and Gina was great. With all of us, yeah, with she's, like she's epic sharing her really natural skill set, yeah. So she was definitely, definitely a leader on that show. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, 
How you feeling, Brett? I feel good, good, man. Are you happy you did the show? Uh, absolutely. So are, she, are you I, happy I did the show? I love. Can I just <laughs> so very because I love this because I, I feel like the takeaway is share something that makes you weak with a woman. Like if you're a guy listening, because it seems like that and is and a man too, obviously. Yeah. But I, I love that that kind of keeps coming up and mm. and again vulnerability I think can feel like a buzzword that people don't be vulnerable. It's like I don't even know where to begin. Like share something that that. Yeah. You that you like. feel you can't share with someone, you know, that's a... And, and I think we have to be careful as men. I, I think that there's also some discernment in that. And I think we have to be really careful because there are certain uh, women um, that I don't believe as men we should be sharing vulnerable things with. And I think we have to be really aware and open mm-hmm. and be paying attention to make sure that we're not oversharing, number right. one, mm-hmm. and that we're in a safe place with the person before we share. Right. Because there are some men who will just start a date... And the first thing will be like, blah, 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 blah. right? And they like, don't dump. And they like yeah. verbally, right? Trauma dump. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we don't want to do that Trauma either. Right. And also, you want to make sure you get to know the person a little bit, yes. maybe before you share something, yeah, very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, because the fact of the matter is, both men and women, not all of us are at a place where we can hold someone else's trauma. And many people experience other people using vulnerability against them, which is mm-hmm. why we don't share. Mm-hmm. So I would just have some discernment maybe. It sure. was the only thing. In, you know, you're on a date. It's going well. Share something vulnerable. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. but don't like lead with it. That would be the only thing that I would. Yeah. Or, or again, le- you can share it. It's, it's, there's a difference between emotional expression and emotional responsibility. And I think sharing like this is something that I'm working on, right? Yes. Like a weakness that you know that you're, you're handling. It's not just like, I do this horrible thing, blah, you know? Yeah. I think that's even hot, right? Like when a guy takes accountability or takes responsibility for something that he knows is this sort of flaw or whatever we want to call it, right? This, this I, I hate even calling it a flaw or a weakness. It's not, but, because we're all human. But, we're all yes, humaning this thing, in this humaning, human world. Yes. Yeah, we are. We're and we're all going to die, so there's nothing to really... <laughs> eventually aliens are going to take over. Yeah, eventually. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up with answering our, uh, asking our last question. Justin, do you remember what it is? Oh, my somewhere. God, I think I do. Was that the last I, question? I didn't for <laughs> a second. I literally didn't, and then I remembered. Um, hey, Brett yeah. Dyer yeah. of Jane the Virgin fame. Right. What does it mean yeah. to you to be man enough? Well, to be open, vulnerable, and, and, uh, cu- and super cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, oh, have grace for yourself. That's something that took me. Oh, I love that. Because it feels like men can be hard on themselves. Mm. But dun, 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 you know, uh, that kind of thing. And it's, um, I just think grace is such a beautiful thing that a lot of men don't do for themselves a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd say that. Hmm. So be graceful. Learn grace and surrender to it. <laughs> hey, I know that you don't feel funny anymore. Yeah. Um, and you're only doing comedy every once in a while when you feel called to it. But can you at least leave us with a couple of your impressions that are so great? Please. Sure. Here's 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 Fire Marshal Bill. You know Fire Marshal Bill from Jim Carrey. Oh yeah. Have you heard you will in a, you will in a second. I will. This time. Uh, Let me show you something. <laughs> so that's Fire Marshal Bill. Um, here's SpongeBob. Oh wow wow. And um, <laughs> here's uh, here's Joe from Family. Hey Peter. And then uh, what else can I do here? Um, wow. Here's good. Peter's laugh. <laughs> Sweet. And then. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and Brett's a break dancer, by the way. Yeah, you too. want to see? Do oh it. yeah. No. You know he broke. He used to be a break dancer. Man, Did you really? Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. When Wait, when hip hop was invented. What? When it was invented. Oh, come on now. <laughs> That's sick. God, we should battle after the show. Let's do it, man. I might break though. 
That's why it's literally break. Why it's break <laughs> it'll, it'll be a real break dance. Yeah, you're doing it right then. Oh, uh, it's been so awesome. Thanks so for awesome, having me. Man. Thank, Thank you, you so Brett. much. Do I shake all your hands now? Please. I'm gonna. Please. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice, nice to meet you. That was awesome. Um, so great being you too. Um, cool. I, I forgot how to sign off the show. Try so it. Why don't you? Well, if you like what you heard, um, subscribe and follow our podcast for more uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It's free on Apple uh, Podcasts, on Spotify, All and the spots. and it's on. Oh, if you want to see Justin's beautiful face, because um, you've seen ours for a while, but Justin's here, and so you you should be watching this on YouTube. <laughs> That's right. Um, and seeing Brett's impressions and Hi. Um, cuteness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also. Uh, Buy Brett's art on his Instagram. Check yeah. it out, guys. Yeah. Hopefully my website will be up in November. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Liz Plank. I can't. <laughs> I love seeing you stumble because, Justin, you do, you do things so gracefully and wonderfully so often that when you stumble, I get I stumble all the time. You know what Jamie says? Jamie says, I'm Steve Urkel in the body of Gaston. Oh, That's wow. how Jamie describes me all the time. That That's really is a sweet. really great way to put it. I like so, that. That's sweet. There you go. I'm, uh, it's true. Can I do that? Uh, <laughs> all right. Till the next time, this is Mad Enough. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Saufeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer, Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing, and Susie Landers O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>